the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. How are we to respond to or deal with the hurt and betrayal from other people? If you look at verse 10, back here in Psalm 41, first part of verse 10, David says, But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. First thing we need to do, number one, is pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. Mercy, Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines the word as the aspect of God's love that causes him to help the miserable. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. When we've been wronged by someone close to us, we should seek mercy from God, give mercy to those who wronged us, and then forgive them. Pastor Gary teaches today that one of David's closest friends betrayed him. As a result, he was deeply saddened and at a loss as to how he should move on. To overcome his despair, David went to the Lord seeking counsel. There he found God's mercy, which gave him the strength to also give mercy and forgiveness. Never allow a bitter spirit to grow in you. Always forgive and show mercy. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 40 for part one of today's message titled, Hurt and Betrayed. I'm going to read all 13 verses of Psalm 41, and then we'll pray and we'll dig out this chapter together today. Psalm 41 The subtitle says, For the director of music, a psalm of David. Verse 1. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely, while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes about and spreads it abroad. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, a vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend... Whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up that I may repay them. 
I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Well, you may have noticed kind of the tone of Psalm 41. Uh, I think Psalm 41 could be entitled, Kick Him While He's Down. Because David is down and he's being kicked here. Uh, In the 1980s, Don Henley wrote a song called Dirty Laundry. And part of the lyrics of that song go like this. Dirty little secrets, dirty little lies. We got our dirty little fingers in everybody's pie. We love to cut you down to size. We love dirty laundry. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Now that's a song about how cruel some people can be and how they like the dirty laundry and how they like to air your dirty laundry and then they like to lie about it, gossip about you and cut you down to size and kick you when you're down. That's what Psalm 41 is about. David is writing here his experience his personal experience with people who have lied about him, slandered him, gossiped about him, and kicked him while he's down. And if you've ever experienced any of that yourself, pay attention because there's a right way to deal with people who have done such things to you. If you've ever been, for example, gossiped about by a co-worker, betrayed by a friend, hurt by a spouse, neglected by a parent, slandered by a neighbor, berated by a coach, if you've ever been hated by someone who didn't even really know you, if you've ever been lied to or lied about, welcome to the human race. This is life. And at some point in our lives, we will be hurt by other people, either by the way they treat us or by the way they talk to us or the way they talk about us. Now, I don't want this to be a victim mentality, okay, lest any of us think that we're pure as the driven snow. The fact of the matter is, all of us are probably guilty ourselves at some point in our lives, either intentionally or unintentionally, of hurting someone by either what we've done or what we've said, how we've talked to them or how we've talked about them. So there's plenty of blame to go around. But the main point of this psalm is how to handle the hurt and betrayal of other people against you how do we handle the hurt and betrayal that comes just because we have contact and relationship with other people and people will do as people do and when the psalm opens here in psalm 41 david is down and that's not just a statement of him emotionally it's a statement about him physically he's down he's flat on his back he is sick in bed because verse 3 is really about him he writes about himself in verse 3 he says the lord will sustain him on his sick bed and restore him from his bed of illness and how do we know this is about himself because the next verse uh david prays for mercy and for god to heal him of his sickness verse 4 i said O lord have mercy on me Heal me, for I have sinned against you. So he's in a bad place right now, physically, spiritually too. He even talks here about how he has sinned against the Lord. And by the way, lest we think in verse 4 that he's combining the idea of sin and sickness, he's, he's not saying that he is sick because he has sinned. I mean, there can be sometimes that correlation. Uh, sinful things can affect us physically. But what he's basically saying in verse 4 is, is that because he has sinned, he needs God's mercy... And because he is sick, 
he needs God's healing touch. Now, what becomes plain to us as we make our way through Psalm 41, becomes pretty plain pretty quickly, is that people who don't like David, people he refers to as, quote, my enemies, okay, people who don't like David start to use David's illness as an opportunity to talk about him. They take advantage of his weakened physical condition right now to pile on. There's going to be people in his life who just start to basically kick him when he's down. And he says in verse 5, my enemies say of me in malice. So they have bad intent. When will he die and his name perish? So that's the whisper going around town. Here David is sick, and there are people who hope that he doesn't recover from his illness. Okay, try to imagine this. This is like, you know, so you go home sick from work one day. You start to spike a fever. It's now up to 103. So you say to your coworkers, I got to go home. So you got the flu. You got 103 temperature. You got the body aches going. You got headaches, you know, and all this stuff. And so you're flat on your back in bed. Meanwhile, next day, your coworkers are having discussion, hoping you don't come back. And they're taking a little office pool. How long do you think the old soul has? Maybe he only has a few days. What do you want to wager? He doesn't come back and recover from his illness. Who wants his office? You know, and so they start plotting about this and scheming and whispering, hoping that actually you won't recover. That's what's going on here in this story. Now, it starts out with lies, slander, and gossip, and it escalates to people actually wishing David dead. Look at verse 6. David says, whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely. All right, so just in the margin of your Bible, just write the word lies. And just so we can have working definitions of some of these terms, I know everybody knows what a lie is, but lying is saying things that are untrue. And David says, I got people around me who speak falsely. They're telling lies. The rest of verse 6, he says, while his heart gathers slander, So that's another thing that they're doing against him. They're slandering him. Slander is making false statements or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. And then the rest of verse 6, he says, and then he goes out and spreads it abroad. What is that? What is it when you spread something abroad? What is that? It's gossip. So he says, they're gossiping about me. Gossip is repeating personal or sensitive information about another. And all this is going on while David is trying to recover from his illness. It, it just, you know, gives place to all these people now lying and slandering and gossiping about him. And just so that we are clear, lying and slandering and gossiping are sins. Is everybody clear about that, right? All of those things are sins. The Bible has different things to say about all of those issues. But, for example, Colossians 3.9 says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. About slander, 1 Peter 2.1 says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And about gossip, in Proverbs 20, verse 19, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Or, because we want to be equal opportunity offenders, avoid a woman who talks too much. It's not just a man. It's Proverbs 20.19 is for all of us. We shouldn't gossip, we shouldn't slander, and we should not lie. And David says here that the lies turn into slander, that turns into gossip, that actually escalates to death wishes. Look at verses 7 and 8. 
All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. People actually wishing him dead. Now, even though it hurts, you would actually somewhat expect lies, slander, gossip, and all this kind of stuff, even, unfortunately, death wishes from people who hate your guts. I mean, that shouldn't surprise us. If people dislike you intensely, it should not really surprise us that they might lie about us, slander us, gossip, and perhaps even in their heart, hopefully they would never say it, perhaps even in their heart they might wish us dead. And that shouldn't surprise us coming from people who may not necessarily like us. But you know what is worse than that? Is when it comes from somebody that you thought was a dear friend. When you thought was someone who loved you and you loved them. Because David says that also is happening. Look at verse 9. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David's like, you know, I, I would come to expect this kind of thing for the people who don't like me, but even my close friend has lifted up his heel against me, someone I've shared bread with. Now, by the way, if this verse sounds familiar, one who I've shared my bread with who has lifted up his heel against me, that's because you may have heard it before. Jesus quoted this verse in John's Gospel. The occasion was the Last Supper. And when Jesus wanted to distinguish Judas as the betrayer from among the other disciples, Jesus broke bread and gave a piece to Judas. And in John 13, verse 18, Jesus quotes Psalm 41, verse 9, and he says, This is the fulfillment of Scripture. That he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And that was the verse Jesus quoted to call out Judas the betrayer. Now this expression here about lifting up your heel against someone is an idiom that refers to someone trampling on you. It actually, in the original Hebrew language, it actually was referring to when a horse will sometimes throw its rider and then trample its rider underfoot. That's the expression that is used here. And so, if anybody understands betrayal, it certainly is our Lord. Because when Judas betrayed him, you know, just because Jesus is fully God, also fully man, don't, don't think that he lacked emotion. That was hurtful. That was deeply painful to him. In fact, Charles Spurgeon once said about Judas's betrayal of Jesus, quote, The kiss of the traitor wounded our Lord's heart as much as the nail wounded his hand. And betrayal from a close friend or a trusted spouse is one of the most painful things a person can experience. It is much easier to deal with the hurt and pain inflicted by someone who doesn't like you but when it comes from a close friend or a family member, it is excruciatingly painful. So here in Psalm 41, most Bible scholars believe that David has a particular person in mind when he talks about this close friend who has betrayed him so deeply. And most Bible scholars believe that it is the same person he refers to, not by name, 
in Psalm 55 when he writes similar emotion. If you'll just jump over to Psalm 55 for a moment, I want you to see three verses with me where he writes about the same kind of stinging hurt that he has, David has experienced from a close friend. And in Psalm 55, look at verses 12, 13, and 14. Psalm 55, 12, David writes, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. David is like, I I could endure this kind of betrayal and deceit and lying and gossip and slander from a foe. But I thought you were a friend. I thought you actually loved me. I thought we were close. We would do things together. We would hang out together. He he even talks about how we, we walked with a throng to the house of God. Our families would go to church together. We worshiped God together. I can't believe it. Of all people, you, you would stab me in the back. It is believed that the man that David is referring to, the friend that he's referring to in both Psalm 41 and in Psalm 55, is a man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel doesn't get a lot of press coverage in the Bible. There are only 17 verses that mention him by name in all of the Bible, and all of those are confined to two books of the Bible in the Old Testament. So we don't know a tremendous amount about Ahithophel, but these couple of things we do know. He was a close personal advisor and friend to King David. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 16, 23, that his advice, his wisdom was so incredible that it was, quote, like that of one who inquires of God. In other words, they're saying about Ahithophel that his wisdom and his counsel was so incredible, so right on, that it was like he had a hotline to heaven. He's a close personal friend of King David, who was one of his advisors and someone he considered a dear friend. But we also learn in the Bible about Ahithophel that he joined a conspiracy with David's son Absalom against David. He betrayed David. Someone that David thought he was close to ended up betraying him. Now, let me give you the the background to that story just so you can understand a little bit about what transpired. Uh, David had several sons. One of his sons was named Absalom, and David had a fractured relationship with Absalom. In fact, uh, there was a period for five years they didn't even talk. And David was, unfortunately, a pretty passive father. The Bible says he never interfered with his sons. Okay? Parents, interfere with your children. Interfere with them. They may not like it, but it'll help them in the long run. And Absalom was someone that David never interfered with. And as a result, their relationship became strained. Well, Absalom now, uh, thinking that he knows more than his father, decides I could be a better king than dad. And so he comes back to Jerusalem, and he positions himself right outside the city gate of Jerusalem. And he just stands there. And as people come through the city gates, it's classic, friends. It's like the first political campaign. He is kissing babies and he's shaking hands. 
And he's telling me, he's listening to their grievances and he's empathizing with them. He's like, oh yeah, you know, if I were king, I'd take care of this for you. All right, have a good day. And he was doing that as everybody would come and go. He was, and he was becoming ingratiated with the Israelite people. He would just stand there at the city gates and he would hear their woes and he'd empathize. He'd be like, I feel your pain. <laughs> Do all that, you know? Okay, by the way, say what, that's a really weak representation of Bill Clinton, but say what you want. Say what you want about Bill Clinton. One thing he was a master at, he empathized with people. Still does. I don't know his heart, so I don't know if it's legitimate or if it's political, but he used it well. Very empathetic. I feel your pain, you know, and that kind of a thing. And what happens is, and people, and so it tells us, 2 Samuel 15, 6, that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Because as people were hearing him and feeling like you really care about me and your father David doesn't, then it tells us that he basically led this coup. Even some of the army of Israel came over to Absalom. And Ahithophel was among those who joined Absalom's rank in conspiracy against King David to overthrow him. So what David does is when he hears that... A bunch of people have surrounded Absalom and come along behind him and defected from the army. David says to his officials and to his family and to the rest of the army that's still with him, we got to get out of Jerusalem. He's going to come and kill us. He's going to depose me. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill all of us. And he's going to reign and and rule. And so we got to get out of Jerusalem. And so the Bible talks about how David then leaves the city of Jerusalem, his family with him, his officials with him. They cross down the Kidron Valley over to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says that David is weeping. He's just brokenhearted over over his son who has now led this revolt against him. And let me just read a couple of verses. You don't need to, you don't need to turn there. But in, in 2 Samuel 15, verses 30 and 31, just imagine this picture. It says, But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. It's just a, a picture of someone in misery, isn't it? It says, And all the people with him covered their heads too, and were weeping as they went up. Now, David had been told, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. That's where he learns about this. So he's weeping. He's walking up the Mount of Olives. They're trying to get out of Jerusalem. They're going towards the Judean wilderness. They're trying to basically flee for their lives. And along the way, an official comes up to King David and says, King, sir, just want you to know, Ahithophel is not with us. He has defected to Absalom. And scholars believe that David was referring to Ahithophel in Psalm 41 and 55. This is the guy that I hung out with. This is the guy who gave me wonderful counsel. We went to the house of God together. I thought he was one of my closest friends. How is it possible that he has betrayed me like this? And so David, through the rest of Psalm 41, if you go back to Psalm 41 now, he gives us a little bit at the end of Psalm 41, some advice, really, of what he has done in responding to the hurt and betrayal that he has experienced. This is good for us to hear as well. How are we to respond to or deal with the hurt and betrayal from other people? If you look at verse 10, back here in Psalm 41, first part of verse 10, David says, But you, O Lord, have 
mercy on me. First thing we need to do, number one, is pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. Mercy, Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines the word as the aspect of God's love that causes him to help the miserable. Okay, that's beautiful. It's the aspect of God's love that causes him to help the miserable. So David cries out for mercy because he's miserable. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.